Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, and I have an interesting guest today. His name, I will probably won't pronounce it really well, but it's Peter Piasewski. Um, he works with Factum as a developer. Um, he's also a long-term, a long-time uh, blogger about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. Extremely knowledgeable guy. Uh, Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having can me. You, can you give folks a bit of your background and tell them what you do now? Uh, sure thing. So I'm currently a software developer at Factum, working on the core technology there. But uh, I've generally joined the Bitcoin and crypto community back in 2011, way back when. I wrote my master's thesis on Bitcoin in 2012, and I've worked on a couple projects since then, on a cryptocurrency exchange startup, on my own startup, and currently I'm at Factum. I'm also the r slash Bitcoin subreddit moderator. I used to be a Bitcoin stock exchange moderator and so on and so on. Huh. So you're on, on Reddit. You're a uh, a moderator of one of the subreddits for Bitcoin? Yeah, I'm the moderator of the most popular Bitcoin subreddit. Basically, the second mod there, well, used to be got rearranged a little bit, but that's a different story. That must be a tough job because I guess the... Uh... The subreddits are very contentious and people argue about the block size debate and things like that, right? Well, it's definitely a thankless job. If you moderate a bit too much, people accuse you of censorship. If you don't moderate enough, then there's just spam everywhere. So, you know, you have to keep the balance there and uh, the like. So, you know, someone needs to do it. Any interesting insights you've gotten because you see all the comments and you've been moderating for a long time? Uh, Definitely, like when the price is going up or down, you see a lot more memes than usual, I guess. So that's like the most of the puzzle thing you see. Other than that, you know, know, there's plenty of people trying to spam the things, you know, on a daily basis and so on. How many comments a day um, occur on the Reddit that you manage? Oh, I don't really count those. Uh, I know we're quite active, but uh, I don't think I have any concrete metrics at the moment. How much time does it take you to uh, manage the Reddit? Uh, well, if it's really an active day, it could take, you know, of half an hour a day maybe to sit through all those comments, have to read through those, evaluate whether the person's actually, you know, trying to make a good comment or are they just trying to subvert, the, you know, what people are talking about and so on and so on. So, you know, it's a constant stream. But luckily, with more moderators active now than we used to have years back, you know, it's the load is spread out across multiple people. It's not as bad. Why do you do it? What do you get out of it? Um, I personally do it because, you know, I was active uh, at the time when uh, the subreddit needed more moderators and figured, I might as well help with the community a bit, you know, keep the place nicer, you know, help, you know, uh, moderate the whole subreddit. You know, remove spam and so on. You know, someone needs to do it. Okay. Um, you, you said you wrote your um, what was it? Your master's thesis or your dissertation uh, on uh, Bitcoin? 
yes, I wrote my master's thesis on Bitcoin in 2012. Basically, wow. uh, I discovered, uh, well, I came across Bitcoin back in 2011, about a few months before I had to choose my master's thesis topic. And I figured this is a good opportunity for me to spend a whole year researching this uh, thing and, you know, come up with some uh, good thesis based on that. Worst case scenario, I have an interesting sounding thesis and not much of it. Best case scenario, well, I'm right here and, you know, things are going pretty well. You spend a lot of time researching. What did you learn? Um, you know, what do you know about uh, Bitcoin that other people don't know? I would expect you know a lot. You know, quirks um, in the code, uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I pretty much uh, drilled down to the low-level protocol, deal with directly with the bytes themselves and so forth. So I had the opportunity to dissect the transactions, the blocks, the hashes, and everything like that. I almost managed to re-implement some of the protocol in my own client, but I ran into some hurdles early on that weren't that well documented, but I didn't really need them in the end. So um, um, in the end, uh, the part of the code that I developed, I think is still used by some of the uh, Go implementations of Bitcoin. So at least you know, what I did wasn't a waste uh, in the end. So at least that's good. Did you want to become a core developer for Bitcoin or were you interested in other stuff? I mean, at, at the end of your research, like how did you feel about Bitcoin? Um, I was definitely interested in uh, you know, working with Bitcoin as a job, not necessarily as a core developer, because uh, at least at the time, uh, you know, it wasn't a paid position or anything like that. It's uh, voluntary work. So you had a lot of early adopters that had bought into Bitcoin early on and you know had a substantial uh, stash of them. So they were incentivized to make the network operate better to help increase the value of the portfolio. And that will be sort of indirectly paying their salaries. I unfortunately came in a bit later than them and I was a push to another time. So I didn't have that stash that, to keep myself going. I had to get a real day job and so on. Oh, okay. So from again from looking closely at the code at the low levels, did you discover anything that surprised you or, or impressed you? You know, what's your perception of it right now? Well, definitely um, when I first discovered Bitcoin, I really appreciated the beauty of it from a programmer's perspective because it is uh, applied pure cryptography in a really innovative fashion that nobody has put together like this, uh, you know, up to this point, which, you know, really speaks to it. Um, I remember there were some uh, famous cryptographer way back in the day was saying that uh, when he was examining the code and when he thought he found the bug, right after that, he would find some exact code that handles this sort of exception and so on. So, there weren't really that many holes to poke in the Bitcoin protocol itself. Hmm. Um, also, uh, Bitcoin definitely has a lot of quirks in it when you're looking down in it. There's um, a little bit of wonky way of encoding uh, some uh, numbers or bytes where it's like a middle endian sort of way. So there's definitely a style to it, I would say, that, you know, so if you wanted to re-implement it, I don't think you'd be using the same approaches as Bitcoin did. But, you know, each to their own in the end. 
Do you, do you do you feel like you have any insights into Satoshi Nakamoto from looking at the code so closely? Do you think like um, it could have been an individual person, or did it have to be a nation that state that did it, or multiple people? Like, you know, do you have any insights like that into that person, well, possibly who they are? Uh, I would say that uh, the Bitcoin protocol, as it was in the day, isn't as complicated as it couldn't be implemented by a talented developer. You know, the biggest uh, hurdle of Bitcoin is uh, figuring out how to make it work. But once you crack that uh, little riddle there, everything else is pretty much just implementing it. Like in the year uh, when I was researching Bitcoin, I almost managed to re-implement it myself and I was still a student. So someone with years of cryptographic experience probably wouldn't have a problem implementing the Bitcoin protocol from scratch if needed. So definitely one person job is a possibility here. I don't think you'd need a large team of developers to implement Bitcoin as is. But you know, you never know. Could be one individual, could be multiples. We don't know. Right. And what what uh, work are you, what are you working on now? You said you're working on an exchange. I don't know if you still are. What are your current projects and can you describe them? Uh, well, my current day job is I'm a core developer at Factum. So I'm developing the uh, core blockchain technology behind the Factum blockchain. So I'm working on the Factum daemon that runs the network you know, and small uh, software surrounding it, like anchoring Factums into the Bitcoin network and so on and so on. So it's pretty much a low-level tech position here. Okay. Right. And what about some of your past projects? You said you worked on creating an exchange? Uh, yeah. Um, so about a year or two after I finished my thesis, I was approached by a cryptocurrency exchange startup that wanted to develop their own uh, exchange. So I worked with them for a few months developing their core trading engine, getting up to speed, making it uh, a lot more, uh, well, being able to process way more transactions than they initially could and so on. Unfortunately, that exchange didn't uh, launch in any public fashion as uh, the last time I checked. So, well, that's unfortunate. After that, I started my own startup where uh, I work with a business partner of mine here in Vancouver, we're exploring a couple interesting uh, fields of uh, cryptocurrencies. One of them was uh, probably fair gambling, where uh, using cryptography, you can prove that the casino you're playing at cannot cheat you, cannot steal your money, and so on. And you have a cryptographic proof that everything's above the board, nothing you know wonky has happened. And so on. How can um, you do that? How do you prove that uh, the uh, what are you proving that the odds are set at a certain skew? <laughs> um, well, yes, yeah, you're proving that uh, well the the odds are known in advance, and that the random number generated was not generated just by the casino, but you as the client that have your own best interest in mind also participated. So the casino could not just roll the numbers and tell you, okay, this is the outcome, now pay me the money because you just lost. You say, okay, because of this mathematics here that we're applying, we did not know what the outcome of this next roll will be until 
you contributed your part. Therefore, nobody could have you know, uh, done any shenanigans just to steal your money. And because of that, you know, everything is above the board. Everything is more honest. And yeah. So what would you look for patterns to see if there are patterns and uh, the random number generator is not really random? Uh, no, it's not about uh, the number random number generator being not random. It's about that uh, your contribution to the random number has to be taken in and there's a set number. Say, you know, uh, if we roll a die, you commit to some number and you provide me with a hash of it. A hash is a cryptographic digest, which is a one-way uh, encryption, basically, that you commit to some certain number. Then I tell you my number, you add them together, do, say, module of six or whatever dice we used, and then you provide me the outcome. After that game, you reveal what number you've committed to, and I can check, okay, my number plus your number equals to the outcome, and your number is uh, you know committed is the same as uh, what you've presented me earlier. Therefore, you could not change your number. You did count my number. And because I provided my own number, you didn't know what outcome of the game was before the game actually played out. It's a little bit of applied cryptography that's maybe not as easy to understand straight away. But once you sit down and understand what's going on, uh, you sort of get it that, yes, with those... Uh, algorithms in uh, play, there's no way the casino can cheat really here. Is there a way that a player can game the system by reporting false information or for them cheating? Um, provided you have at least one honest player in the group, the whole system is honest. Uh, I did explore some possibility where, say, you have a casino that takes investors' money then plays against itself, and since it knows both the, both the house number and its own number, it can uh, on purpose lose the money that the investors put in and say, oh no, we lost the money, you know, it's all above the board. And, you know, basically try stealing some money away from the people that invested in it rather than the casino itself. But that can also be addressed in some different ways. But, you know, that's really getting deep into it. All right. Gotcha. Um, what are you doing now that, uh, what kind of work are you doing now that's, that's fascinating you? Or what do you see in the Bitcoin system or the, maybe the altcoin system, you know, the altcoin world that fascinates you now, knowing all you know? I would bet you have a very different and unique perspective on things versus other people. Um, well, definitely uh, what I found interesting in the cryptocurrency space uh, was what I call the crypto 2.0 systems, uh, which for perspective, um, you have uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, which are essentially crypto 1.0s, where the whole system supports one currency. So the Bitcoin system supports Bitcoins, Litecoin supports Litecoins, Dogecoin supports Dogecoins, etc. Now you have systems which are the crypto 2.0s, the next generation of cryptos. You have Ripple, Ethereum, Omni, and so on, that allow you to support any number of currencies. So, for example, you can have someone issue fiat currencies or asset-backed currencies. So you have more flexible transactions without worrying about the value fluctuations, whether Bitcoin is going up and down. One dollar is one dollar in the end, provided you can trust the person that issues that asset. 
And yeah. generally, those uh, currency systems are poised to replace the old banking systems, so SWIFT, ACH, and so on. Like even today, Ripple can do a multi-currency international atomic transfer in about 10 seconds for a fraction of a penny. So something like this takes banks weeks and a lot more money on top of it. So yeah, basically, hopefully this will be the future where you know the banking is as fast as email because why shouldn't it be? Well, for instance, if Ripple is so powerful, why is it uh, seeming? And I don't know if it's true, but it seems to have uh, been sitting for quite a while and not really going anywhere. Uh, well, with systems like this, it's all about the network effect. When you're the first person on the platform, you're sitting alone. You can't really do all that much. When the next person along comes along, you make one connection. When the next person, you can make two extra connections and so on and so on. So you have to build up this critical mass in order to be able to do much. And there's a lot of infrastructure to be built there. You need to have the gateways that onboard the currencies. You need to have the market makers that trade between their currencies. And you need to have the actual users come in and start using the system for you know, international trade or even settlement between each other. And because there's a lot more diversity here, a lot more currencies and so on, then there's a lot more work that needs to be done than on something like Bitcoin, where you have just the Bitcoins and just you just use them. Uh, plus, uh, Ripple had a little bit of a bad reputation over the years because of, uh, I think they had a run-in with uh, FinCEN in the US. Um, okay. because They got audited for selling some of their tokens without doing K- KYC. AML uh, procedures and sold some of their coins to some person that uh, I think was convicted of selling firearms or something like that who got license. So it generally it got a little bit hairy. The the Ripple Labs, the developers of Ripple, had a bad reputation in the community for years, and that maybe has hampered the adoption a little bit. Um, um, so yeah, okay. because of it, um, yeah, the progression was stalled. But they seem to be getting back on the track at the moment with uh, news of more and more banks adopting them. Okay, and what do you think is going to happen over 2017 with Bitcoin and some of the highest market cap altcoins, or uh, you said uh, 2.0 coins or tokens? Well. Uh, at the moment, you know, at the start of May, we are currently experiencing a really high growth in the prices of m- many, many currencies, which it looks like another bubble for the Bitcoins and altcoins. So we'll probably have a big bubble. It'll probably burst again. It'll probably, you know, be one of the bigger news stories of this year for all the cryptos. But once that settles down, hopefully we'll have more development and actual growth happening in those currencies. So more people coming on board, more projects coming on board, developing with those platforms in mind, and generally making the systems more useful than they currently are. Even if the price goes up or down, you know, it's all about what you can do with the currencies, where you can pay with it. And you know, most of projects are using those uh, currencies. So what are some important developments you think that are still lacking or not finished 
that Bitcoin and some of the other um, you know tokens need in order to scale or just become you know you know more widely in use. Uh, well, with Bitcoin, we've been uh, dealing with the network scaling issue, which basically is Bitcoin operates on one megabyte blocks that generate every ten minutes, which means there's only so many transactions you can process before you start running out of space. This started to be a problem about two years ago when the first uh, solutions were proposed and the developers still haven't reached a consensus of what's the approach that should be taken, when should it be taken, and so on. So that's basically the homework for Bitcoin. Hopefully this year well, should be happening you know, yesterday, but it doesn't. So Bitcoin's homework is to solve its scaling issue to implement some solution to be able to accept more transactions. If that doesn't happen, it's becoming more and more likely that the altcoins will start eating its dinner. I think uh, recently the altcoin market has a has again about 40% of the share of all the cryptocurrencies together. So Bitcoin still taking its lion's share of 60%, but it's losing that edge every day that it doesn't uh, scale. Whether it will continue or whether or not it's up to anyone, it's guess, you know, nobody really knows what will happen in cryptos. But, you know, if you stagnate, you can't really, you know, you need to uh, be in the breaking all the time. Do you think it's just because of uh, the scaling issue that Bitcoin is slipping? Or is it because there's so many different, um, you know, altcoins out there and, different tokens and different use cases proliferating? Um, well, even before Bitcoin had the scaling issue, there have been a lot of different tokens cropping up in there. All of them are worthless. A lot of them are scams. All of them are speculative. But uh, one useful thing about having such a diversity of tokens is that if someone wants to innovate, they can innovate outside of the Bitcoin system, test out their tiers, test out their solutions, and if it holds, Bitcoin could potentially you know, pull those changes into its protocol if it's needed. So we have basically a little evolution going on here. What's the best approach to make a cryptocurrency? What's the best approach to solve some of the problems Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are facing? And basically, with all the money flowing to the system, you can figure out you know, who's the winner and who's the loser here. And definitely there are some things that Bitcoin might not be able to do, like uh, Ethereum's focused on smart contracts, more so than Bitcoin. I don't think Bitcoin will be adopting that anytime soon, at least on the chain, maybe off-chain. Ripple's more focused on uh, multi-currency settlement. You know, that's not bit what Bitcoin does, really. So there's some room for alternatives to Bitcoin that do their own niche and focus on that. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, I guess that's it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, we've covered a lot of different areas, a lot of different ground. Any uh, any other questions you think I should have asked you or any things you want to talk about in this world that, uh, you know, interest you? Um, I think that's most of the interesting things that we're supposed to talk about. Uh, some of the questions uh, you Proposed to me were about the trading and investing in cryptos, but you know, that's a take it or leave it, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Any um, any thoughts on where things are going to go 
this year? I mean, again, like I said, no one knows, and you said nobody knows for sure, but you know, what's your gut feel on where Bitcoin's going to go the end of 2017 and maybe next year? Well, hopefully for Bitcoin, we'll have some scaling adoption you know, in place. For general crypto space, I hope there'll be more bigger businesses looking into the space, you know, some banks coming on board, some institutions, some new interesting projects coming on board, and so on. Maybe eventually we start seeing uh, people looking into cryptos as a alternative to the national currencies, whether we're talking about, say, Venezuela's Bolivar or Russian rubles that have been devalued over the recent years quite a lot. You know, cryptocurrencies might be a alternative to those. It's definitely a very risky investment, but you know, if you're talking about currency that you know has a high inflation rate, maybe taking a gamble with a cryptocurrency would be the better alternative here. Okay, well, very good. Well, Peter, thanks for taking your time, and uh, and I appreciate everything you said, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.